You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Hope everyone's doing well. Boy, that's a nice chipper intro. So, uh, anyway, we're uh, here on uh, Saturday morning, as always, and uh, we're uh, down here in the cloudy Blue Ridge this morning with a lot of fog and rain rolling through, but uh, it's all good nonetheless. And this morning, we are very fortunate to have in our midst a guest, uh, Greg Wells, and uh, Greg is uh, going to talk to us about a really special event that they're going to be hold- he's going to be holding uh, in the metro Atlanta area, and uh, down there where David is from and uh, where the studio is, actually. So, uh, Greg, you, you want to give us a little bit of background? Sure. Uh, I'd be happy to. Thanks for having me on. Um, um, you know, uh, and I hear this from people around the country. Uh, you, you could go to a car show, eight or ten car shows, every weekend in the Atlanta area. And But, but unfortunately, or not, depending on your proclivity, most of them are, are, are hot rod modified or, or you know, custom cars. And whereas a lot of those cars are wonderful uh, things, they're not history. You know, they're, they're an individual's uh, attempt to craft and style and and create something that suits their their interests. Uh, my interest in old cars is in his, the historical part of them. So I and, and I, I like pre-war stuff, especially pre even depression stuff. So uh, we're having a show this next Saturday, a week from today, at the Southeastern Railroad Railway Museum in Duluth, Georgia, that is called the Celebration of the Authentic Car. And basically, anything forty-eight or older is eligible to be on the actual show field. Uh, uh, you know, we want them to look as they did, basically when they came off the assembly line. Doesn't matter whether they're restored or not, and we want them to have their original uh, style drivetrains. Uh, no uh, small block Chevys in a thirty-four Ford, for example. No Krager Mags, you know, on a, um, a, a pre-war car. Um, and, uh, and and talking to people for the last two or three years as we've developed the concept of this show. Uh, I get a lot of positive feedback that we need more shows like this. Uh, you know, the whole idea is, as I think most of us understand, they're not teaching history in the schools these days. And what we want to present with this show is the history of the automobile, um, primarily before World War II, um, you know, and, and showcase that to people. I, if they show up, we're not doing sign-ups in advance, uh, people who come to the show uh, with a car that meets our criteria. Um, uh, all we ask is a donation to the museum uh, and, and register when you show up. Uh, you'll, you'll be in a, and, and the folks that show up at cars that don't meet our criteria, there's a parking lot about 10 feet from the show field. So it's not like we're, we're dissing them and saying, go away. That's not the point. But that's that's the idea of the celebration of authentic car is we want to showcase the cars as they looked when they were first built 
and uh, uh, show the history of the automobile rather than somebody's interpretation of it, somebody's uh, personal uh, uh, car that they wanted to build, uh, not putting on any airs as to which is better or worse than the other. But again, we, I want to showcase the history of the automobile. Uh, and we're not getting that in most of the car shows. I mean, if I go to Caffeine and Octane up at Premier Ball here, there'll be 2,000 to 2,500 cars. Um, most of them going to be late model Ferrari, BMW, Porsche, the Lamborghini, McLaren, or, or, or customized things. And we're just wanting to put on a different kind of show to, to showcase the history of the car of the automobile. So everything pre-war, welcome as long as it's in its stock configuration, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 I, I originally said pre-war, and some of my friends pointed out in the, in the hobby that, well, you know, 46, 47, 48, they're almost the same. They just pulled out the old eyes and made them. So we've extended it to 48, to 48 and earlier. Okay, uh, 1948 and earlier. And what right. what are the what are the hours? What's what's your schedule for the uh, for the event? Well, the event is Saturday. The hours for the show are nine to three. We're going to be open quite a bit earlier than that because, uh, understandably, a lot of cars earlier than say twenty eight or twenty nine uh, probably going to have to be trailered. You know, when you when you get into two wheel brakes and cars that cruise comfortably at 35 that's one thing and you can't really drive those in the Atlanta traffic when you get to sort of the model a level where they'll do 45 and have boil brakes they can drive um, so that's the deal we have plenty of parking i mean the southeastern railway museum is the largest train museum in georgia at 35 acres i have room for probably 80 100 trailers <laughs> and uh, so so we're opening early to allow for people to unload their trailers the the, the show is actually nine to three um, and we do have uh, a food vendor on the premises um, uh, the museum will be open as its normal hours 10 to 5 and uh, okay. what we're asking for anybody who wants to come and bring their car to the show we're asking for a donation to the museum because it's a non-profit 501c3 um, that does not get any taxable tax money uh, uh, you know make a donation at any amount I, I tell people if if you want to donate a quarter we'll happily let you enter your car but I'm going to tell every friend of yours how cheap you are <laughs> <laughs> that would be that That'd would be, be Richard that would be Richard yeah. Richard would be driving be up <laughs> would that be pulling Richard? in pulling in in the triumph and, and, and giving you a quarter yeah. no I wouldn't give you I, I wouldn't give you a quarter, a dime, maybe, but not a quarter. Yeah, a dime, a dime. <laughs> you listen, I'll, I'll take a penny. You know, I'll take. <laughs> anyway, the, 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 the you know, if you come in and your car is not within our criteria, uh, you know, we're going to direct you to the parking lot, and you're going to be asked to pay the normal museum admission, which is uh, includes a train ride, by the way, eighteen dollars for adults, fifteen for um, uh, seniors, and twelve for children. Um, this this museum it amazes me. It's it's the most fun job I've ever had. Uh, you know, ninety eight percent of the people are there who are, are volunteers. They're there because they want to be, and about a third of our admissions are 
to children 12 and under. Greg? And how many times in life do you get to sell a product or service virtually no one ever complains about? Greg? That's I, the trifecta of yeah. being a volunteer or being yeah. a worker at the training museum. Greg, so it, may, it, it, may so I? David, I think for 41 years. Greg, may I interrupt for I one think, second and uh, extend an invitation? You you hit a nerve when you said uh, that history books aren't teaching history, and we we do a lot with veterans, and we always tell the veteran, get your grandson, your granddaughter, whoever, up on your knee and tell them about what you did in the military. Well, this, what you're doing is idea for grandparents and I want to invite every grandparent that's listening to go out to the museum and tell their grand take their grandkids with them and tell them well when I was growing up my parents had a car like that and when I was you know your age we had a car like that and tell the grandparents have a job to do and by golly they better do it because they need to tell their grandkids and their nieces and nephews about those cars. So I'm extending your thing, Greg, to grandparents. Please come out and go to the museum. And that's my soapbox for the day. Tom, back to you. All right, David. I I think the, (laughs) the mic levels on our end were a little bit muted, so... We didn't really catch up with what you were saying, but uh, uh, so, Greg, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what's in the collection inside the Rail Museum? Because typically, most of us, uh, you know, I've uh, been involved with the Virginia Museum of Transportation for know. many years now, and uh, so you know, I find that uh, not all train people are car people, but the interesting thing is, almost all car people are also rail people, too, or they can be well, rail people. I'll be glad to speak to that. The uh, uh, the museum has over 90 pieces of rolling stock. Uh, we're the only museum in North America that has two presidential private cars. We have uh, Warren Harding's, most, most exclusively Wilson used it, as, as well as the Pope, uh, a 1911 Pullman private car called the Superb, uh, it's on the National Register of Historic Places, and it's the second-oldest steel-bodied Pullman in existence. Um, people are able to tour through that. It's been it's been modified extensively over the years. Uh, the famous uh, Polish pianist uh, Paderewski preferred to to live in a rail car when he was performing around America, and he would rent superb for six months at a time, and made them put a uh, grand piano in it so he could practice in the yards at night. Um, the second car we have, which is uh, on permanent loan to us the last year and a half or so from Norfolk Southern, is FDR's famous uh, Marco Polo. FDR used it from 1932, when he was still the governor of New York, until 1940, when his advisor said, we need to get you into a, an armor-plated bulletproof glass car the Ferdinand Magellan. And uh, what I find so poignant about that particular car is, you know, from about 1921-22 on, Roosevelt could not walk. He could stand if he locked his prosthetic legs in place. 
So here's the most powerful leader in the world in the early 30s who, when he had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, he had to call somebody to help him go there. Well, they they took this car and made him a little wheel, a chair, not a wheelchair, but a chair with wheels on it. They put brass railings around the car so Roosevelt could go anywhere he wanted to without assistance. Uh, there's no no uh, uh, doubt in my mind why he used this car for eight years. We call it the original Air Force One without wings because he uh, used it to transit between Washington and Warm Springs little lighthouses. But we have all kinds of really interesting stuff. We actually have uh, 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 some car-related stuff. Time, uh, one of the early benefactors of the museum owned the Checker Cab Company in Atlanta. So we have some, some early cars there. And by act of the state legislature, we are uh, Georgia's official transportation history museum. Not just trains, although that's most of what we have. But it's, it's a fascinating place. Uh, it, it's more fun than I can really explain to you to be able to, to work there and, and sell tickets. and Great. So, well, uh, and like I say, it, I'm trying to, to promote. I've only been working there about three years, close to three years. And I'm trying to promote it because of the, the amount of space we have. It's an ideal place to hold um, car show us in Tom, advance, take so, a break. So we could probably accommodate yep. up to a couple hundred cars. Great. All right. Well, so it's next Saturday, 9 to 3, and we're getting ready to run up on a break. It's going to be at the Southern Railway Museum uh, in Duluth, down there Georgia. Out in Duluth, Georgia. In Duluth, Georgia. And bring your car, 1948 or newer, in its right. stock original configuration. Uh, right. Give them more than the 25 cents Richard was going to give, and uh, everybody's, <laughs> everybody's going to have a good time. So uh, thanks a lot for, for being with us, Greg. Well, yeah, I appreciate you helping us publicize this. Uh, we got a late start on it, but uh, the concept has been uh, almost universally praised by the people I've talked to, which is a lot of them. So Great. Uh, hopefully uh, we can continue this for many years to come. Uh, uh, good, good luck to you guys, and, and have a great time. And uh, All right. maybe we'll get you on the backside sometime and find out how it went. So take care. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, 
Contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. And we're back. So, uh, hey, first of all, great time at the Greenbrier Concourse last weekend. Had to put up with you, but other than that, it was really a great time. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's always, you know, besides renewing friendships and stuff, it's, it's always a nice selection of automobiles at that show. You know, not a lot of cars, maybe a hundred cars, but uh, each and every one of them was uh, interesting and distinctive and well restored or, or you know, well preserved. And the setting is just great. And best of all, it's free. We love free shows. So, uh, what other concourse in the country is free? I don't think you can name another That's, one. No, no. There, there's, to my knowledge, there is not another one, particularly on the level of the uh, Greenbrier with the <laughs> level of cars that are there and the grounds and just all the history. You know, the the bunker there where you know Congress and the President were supposed to go if we were going to get nuked. Um, you know, just a, an amazing, amazing place. Uh, even the stories about how they more recently uh, built the casino underground, out in front of the museum. The casino is actually underneath where we do the show on the yep. front lawn of the uh, of the Greenbrier. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, what a setup! <laughs> to- totally crazy. And so next weekend we've got a special event coming up, and that's going to be the AACA Grand Nationals going to be in Virginia Beach, Virginia, um, and it's going to be a fantastic show. On Friday, we're going to have the AACA Zenith Award Competition, which is a group of very, very special vehicles that were called from last year's shows. They were each nominated, and they're going to be competing on Friday for the AACA's uh, Best Restoration of the Year. And then on Saturday, even more, we're going to have the AACA Grand National, which I've often said is the largest, most diverse grouping of the finest cars anywhere in the country. It's, all of these cars have already won their AACA Senior Awards, and now they're going for Grand National Awards um, on a 400-point scale. Most of these cars are 390 points plus, if not I'd say 99% of them are. So it's the best of the best, and it's a little bit of everything. And, uh, Richard, you're going to be there, too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and it's free. Yeah. It, it, it's free, and uh, the people are wonderful, and the cars are just awesome. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be an eight-hour drive for me, but it's worth it because, like you said, where else are you going to find uh, authentic cars so well restored, correctly restored, and uh, a free event? 
So, uh, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if you're not a member, come on out. You could join up. You could sign up and be a member of the AACA at the event. And uh, we'll love to have you. So come on out. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. And as usual, uh, all the cars will be on the show field by around 10 o'clock. And unless adverse weather causes it to happen earlier, the show field gets released at 3. So you'll want to be there sometime between 9 and 3 p.m. if you want to want to see the cars. It's free. You can look up information on it at www.aaca.org and uh, get all the blanks filled in. You know, I'm kind of hurt, though. You know, you were talking about the eight-hour drive. I, I thought you were coming to see me. Uh, I was going to, but uh, you decided <laughs> not to uh, take me for a ride in your in your Hudson. So I said, you know, why bother? It's just not worth yeah. the detour. So, uh, so when you get that Hudson ready, maybe if you ever decide to change the battery and spring for a few bucks, get it running, I'll come on out and then we can go for a ride. <laughs> Uh, we're we're going to get you into a Hudson one of these days. In Triumphs and Hudsons, that you'll be known for that. You'll be like the uh, country's premier Triumph and Hudson expert. Uh, I would love if anyone's out there that has a Hudson wasp, tree in the tree, all that stuff. Hey, call me. I would love to, uh, you know, give it a shot. Love uh, to have one. They're great. They're great. They really are. I, I, but I I digress. So. We got one more big uh, happening coming up quickly, and I want to put in a, a plug for this. And this is to our AACA members and AACA non-members who might be in the area. And that's Beckley, West Virginia, June 17th through the 18th is going to be AACA Nationals there, and it's going to be a great time. It's a great area. Uh, you know, you've got the New River Gorge area there. You can go. Whitewater rafting, if you want to, you can do a million and one things with your family. It's a great time up there in Beckley, and uh, the show is still open. So if you want to register for that show, I suggest you get busy with it and go to www.aaca.org. And if you have an AACA-compatible automobile, uh, essentially one that's stock configuration, but you know what? AACA takes drivers uh, we take uh, preserved cars. Not everything in AACA has to be perfectly restored. So whatever type of car you have, as long as it's in its basic stock configuration, it's welcome to come to the show. So you might think about uh, registering and getting online and checking it out. But uh, it's going to be a great time. So. Yeah, I'm going to try to get there myself. So... Uh... You just never know what shows up on the show field, so uh, that should be a nice, nice event. And with that being a regional meet, what is there usually like uh, 250 cars or so? Somewhere right in that neighborhood, yes. Uh huh. Typically, typically, you're looking at 200, 250 cars for that area, and uh, we certainly hope to get to that number. And you know, you find a lot of interesting and unique stuff too, um, because you know a lot of people from the local regions. Uh, tend to show cars at these uh, nationals that are hosted by their host region. And you find stuff. I've gone uh, to shows for years and years and years, and you just never know what's lurking in any given area. I mean, I've 
saw Minerva one time that hadn't been seen and I, I had never seen. And it didn't ever make it outside of its geographical area. So if you didn't go to that show, you'd have never seen it. Yeah, you know, I, I find that so true. Um, I've been to so many local car shows, you know, lo- local meaning, you know, a local Lions Club and things like that. And you just never know what shows up. Sometimes people don't want to drive more than 10 miles from their house. And uh, you can find some very fascinating automobiles uh, at these small shows. So you just never know. It always pays to attend these events if you got the time. And, uh, yeah, you'd be pleasantly surprised at what may show up. No, it's cool. So, gosh, I'm going to have to put up with you there, too. Good Lord, it's going to be rough. going to be a rough summer, folks, I'm just saying. So Richard was talking to me, and we were bantering back and forth about the merits and uh, disadvantages of uh, upgrades with our with our antiques. Uh, some of them he and I agree on, some we disagree on. So why don't you kind of take it away, Richard, and then I can uh, be the critic. Sure. Well, you know, I, I totally disagree with with you when you said you want to drop an LS1 in your Hudson and get rid of that shit. So we, could talk, we could talk about that later. But, uh, but uh, I can't wait. I can't upgrades. wait. Yeah. But there are upgrades that you can make to your automobile. And, you know, let's face it, uh, we like original cars. We like them to look authentic and the way they came out of the factory. But there are upgrades that you can make to make your car perform better, more reliable. And, uh, Something simple, things like you won't even notice, you know, not, they're not visual modifications, like changing to a K&N air filter or any type of free-flowing air filter. Uh, that helps a smidge in performance, not much, but, uh, you know, it may increase your gas mileage a little, and, and, and in these days that helps. A lot of people go with electronic ignition, and, you know, there's pros and cons with that, you know, if, if the points are set correctly and they're nice and clean and, and they're gapped right, uh, you shouldn't have a problem. But, you know, in certain cars, sometimes going to electronic ignition uh, makes the cars start quicker and uh, things like that. And, you know, a lot of these six-volt batteries, they're getting harder to find. And uh, you could convert to uh, 12 volts. Uh, those optimal batteries are incredible. But, you know... Something like that, if, if it's in the engine bay, you don't want to open up your engine bay of, of your, you know, 1950 Dodge, and you don't want to see a giant red or yellow Optima battery. So sometimes you could relocate them in the trunk or things like that. But, uh, you know, you know the thing is radial. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, though, you know, uh, with the, per, you know, I, I, I disagree, and I'll, I'll rebut you here in just a minute after you're talking about the tires, but uh, quickly, when it comes to the red tops, you can now go online, and there are a couple of uh, ingenious souls who have produced authentic-looking battery cases that are sort of yes. period. They have that generic 6-volt black case that you can actually drop the optima red top into and uh you really can't you know you really have to work hard to tell the difference now that's not going to pass aaca judging muster but uh you know everywhere else you're going to be able to get by with it and nobody's going to know the difference but i will say this the the 
that Optima Red Top, and I'm agreeing with you on this one, um, and then I'm a fairly new convert um, to those, uh, you know, spiral technology batteries, but uh, 800 hole cranking amps out of that uh, relatively small 6-volt Optima Red Top battery as compared to somewhere around 550 uh, to 600 for your regular um you know, black case six volt battery. We need um, to break. You know, it's, it's far superior. And we're getting ready to go on a break. So we'll be back and Richard and I'll have it out. When it comes to okay. car magazines, <laughs> are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144 page soft cover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Veteran-owned America's Web Radio endorses and supports Dr. Rich McCormick for Georgia's 6th District, U.S. House of Representatives. As a decorated Marine helicopter pilot, and now an emergency room doctor who served on the front lines against COVID-19, Dr. Rich McCormick has never been afraid of a fight. Whether it's communist China abroad, or the radical left in America, Rich knows the next fight facing America is to stop socialism, He's all in. Vote for Rich McCormick. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Richard. Well, let's talk about those modifications again. So you were, you you were know, getting ready to get off the tires, huh? Yeah. I mean, radial tires is the way to go. Uh, I still don't understand why claw clubs, <clears throat> no claw club in particular... Uh, you know, deduct, deduct points for radial tires when it's it's not only an improvement to the steering and driving, but it's also a safety issue. Uh, I mean, if, if if you like going down the road and you're 
car. Uh, if if you like your car following every single rut, and you don't have the steering capability that you should have of a modern car, then hey, put bias ply tires on your car. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, if 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 you're going to restore your car and you want to show it. Bias fly tires, if, if that's what they were fitted with originally, put them on. But once you leave the show field, if you're going to drive your car, put on radial tires. They're, they're so much safer. They really are. And it's not a permanent change. You just unbolt them and you bolt them back on. So I really don't see what the issue is with a lot of car clubs deducting points for, for tires. But, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, sir. Well... So the AACA is is well known for its uh, back and forth uh, regarding the radial tire subject. Um, other groups uh, such as the Classic Car Club of America, Cadillac LaSalle Club, and others say that they don't deduct for radial tires. Um, you've got several manufacturers out there: Coker, uh, Diamondback. Um, and I think there's another one out there too, and they actually manufacture a radial tire with a profile that is made to look like a bias ply tire, and, and they actually look pretty good. I, I my 48 Nash Ambassador has Coker Classics on them on it, and it drives magnificently on those. I, I've got to say, um, but in terms of authenticity, we're still uh, as delivered from the factory within AACA, although presently our deduction for radial tires is only two points per tire. So on a 400-point scale for judging, you're only going to you know lose a maximum of two points for each one. Um, so you can still be competitive at the junior levels. Once you get into the Grand National, it's going to be much more difficult to be competitive uh, running radial tires in AACA. But, um, but you know, I, to your point, as much as it pains me, I have to agree that I really do enjoy running those radial tires on that 48 Nash. It, it makes a huge difference. But then again, uh, and uh, people are going to burn me in effigy after the show's over, but I also have uh, retrofitted power steering on that 48 Nash. Of course, they never came with power steering. But uh, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> see? See? Now, you, even you hate me. Uh, <laughs> but, but but it makes all the difference in the world, and anybody can get behind the wheel and uh, and park that thing and drive it. It's just amazing with, with the uh, power, power steering on it. And it's kind of tucked in, so you have to work really hard to try to try to see it, you know, but, uh, now besides, but anyhow. Besides the, power, besides the power steering on your Nash, is it true that you're putting in, you're putting on 12-inch Brembo disc brakes on that Nash? Is that true, Tom? I mean, tell us. Well, you, know. you know, every, every, every Nash owner knows that the, that the best thing about Nash's are the handling capabilities and the, the way you can, you know, put it, put it hard into the turns. Acceleration is amazing. <laughs> and you've got to have good braking in order to enjoy all of the benefits of the power that you have on your NAS. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brembo brake. You know, disc brake conversions, you know, disc brake conversions, I think, are pretty good. 
Uh, but if your drum brake system is up to snuff, you know, you have new or rebuilt wheel cylinders and the drums are properly turned and you have new brake shoes, you know, uh, you shouldn't have a problem. But if you want to do some, you know, yeah, if you're going to do some spirited, you know, highway driving that's in traffic, let's say you're stuck in Atlanta with all that awful traffic, uh, then you may want to do a disc brake conversion if, if you're going to be using your old car on a regular basis. But, uh, you know, drum brakes, you know, uh, they work fine, and they shouldn't be an issue if, if, if you know, done right. I have a ton of people ask me about that, you know, particularly people who are new to the hobby. They, you know, their first thought is, is, oh, my gosh, is, is my car safe? Is it unsafe? And, you know, my answer to them is, you know, particularly on anything that is made late 30s and, and newer, um, you know, by that time, everybody, including Henry, was running on hydraulic brakes. And just so you had hydraulic four-wheel brakes on everything after what, 1939, pretty much. And if it's, as you say, everything is a lot, is set up properly, the drums are turned, new shoes, new springs, you know, new wheel cylinders, new flat new hoses, brake, brake hoses, all of those right. things. The answer to that is yes, your car will absolutely be safe. And I don't, I've never had an issue, but I always, that's the very first thing I do whenever I get a car. I go through the entire braking system immediately. I, I go through it from stem to stern, every last bit of it. And most of the time when I finish, those brakes will put you into the windshield. So the only, only caveat to that is in living here in the mountains, um, I can definitely say, especially with the larger cars, you know, say I'm driving a 66 Caddy and I'm going through the mountains and I'm on a long descent. Once they start to fade, it can get a little hairy and disc brakes are definitely better, better when it comes to that. Um, so I have actually had experienced some pretty significant brake fade on some of these long downhill slopes. But uh, but otherwise, I mean, the, the drum brakes did a great job when they were new. They'll continue to do a great job for you as long as you, you know, have everything set up properly and you do your maintenance. If you do it, you know, halfway, you're going to have a problem. Yep, true. And, you know, you know, it's another good upgrade if it's available, not available for all cars. But if you could go to, a, like, a... Uh, High-performance, high-volume water pump. I know with my Triumphs, the original water pumps had four veins. Now they sell them with five veins, so it just circulates more water, and uh, it's better cooling for the engine. And if that is available, that type of water pump is available for your car, I, I suggest you fit it, and you cannot tell visually that there's a modified pump there. It's all internal. So that's one of the things, you know, some people fit aluminum radiators and, uh, you know, let's face it, you know, they do work well. Uh, I don't know how well compared to uh, a well-kept, you know, original radiator that, that's been boiled out, maybe recorded with another, you know, row. Uh, so that's something, that that's like a personal thing, you know. Plus, who wants to look at all that shiny aluminum in, in an old car? I know I don't unless it's a modified car, but, uh, you know, aluminum radiators is another upgrade that a lot of people do, so uh, that's up to you.
It's radiator, radiator, not radiator. You, you, you know, you're in R-A-D, Tennessee now. Rad, radiator. <laughs> and, and, and you know what a lot of people do? They, they put these high-performance sports ignition coils, and they really don't do anything, to be honest with you. You know, you, you could spray them black so they blends in with the original look of your engine bay, but, uh, you know, those extra 10,000 volts that they say you're going to get and you're going to get an increase in five horsepower, most of that is a total lie. Uh, you know, a stock ignition coil was designed to do what it has to do, and they do it well. So save your money with uh, ignition coils. And those thick black or blue or yellow ignition uh, spark plug wires, you know, stay away from those also. You're just wasting money. No, and and you're going to annoy me every time I see them. I, the the hair stands up on the back of my neck. It's, it's just annoying right. to see that on an otherwise absolutely correct engine. And you know everybody's got yellow or blue ignition wires. It's like, come on, you know, if you're going to do it, do it completely. Put the LS one in there, and then put your yellow and blue wires in. <laughs> but right, just like I, you did with your Hudson, exactly. Right. Yeah, like yeah, like the Hudson. <laughs> The, so, you know, um, one easy thing that you can do, you were talking about the high-volume water pump. Well, a lot of manufacturers, uh, once air conditioning became fairly standard equipment, you know, in terms of option, the option list, um, which air conditioning, uh, it's either 1939 or 1940 Packard was, the, I believe, the first to have... Um, uh, optional air conditioning, but um, I could be wrong by a year or so there. But anyhow, um, the manufacturers used a larger fan or a fan with additional blades on it for the air-conditioned cars versus the non-air-conditioned cars. And so for a really just a little flight of hand, you can swap out, if you have a non-air-conditioned car, you can swap out an air-conditioned uh, car fan and you'll get a lot more uh, movement of air through the radiator. It'll cool your car down better. But I think what do you I think hear about this, fitting? Uh, what do you, I think what do you we're think up about against fitting? the brake there. Are we? Yes, sir. Okay. We are. There you go. See if you'd listen to me. Yeah. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783. 
or visit jctaylor.com slash awr drive through time with peace of mind jc taylor you're listening to america's web radio on the america's broadcast network.com thank you for listening and now back to the classic car show on america's web radio with tom cox and richard lentinello We're back. All right. So, Tom, you're yeah. talking about radiator fans. What about what is your thoughts on fitting uh, electric fans, either a pusher or a puller? Actually, pullers work better than pushes. But uh, what is your thoughts about that? I mean, will the AACA deduct points for having uh, yes. a? Uh, yes, yes, they will. Yes, and uh, yeah, no, no auxiliary fans. My position on a push and pull fans is just this: if you need one of those on there and your stock cooling system with a few minor tweaks and uh you know not, don't forget that you can buy um you know high efficiency coolants uh to go in your engines too these days that uh, yes. will dissipate heat better than water or antifreeze and actually people don't really realize it but um you know of course you don't want to forget and leave it in there in winter time if you don't have a heated garage but actually, pure water will dissipate heat better than uh, a ethylene glycol uh, mix, you know, typical coolant uh, setup in your car. But you can buy all the, buy a lot of uh, aftermarket items that will make it more efficient. But uh, as yeah, far as the push pull red line, you gotta have yeah, exactly. And if you water weather, if you yep. and water weather. Water wetter works well. I, I used that in one of my cars, and I dropped it down probably 15 degrees just using a bottle oh, of water wetter. So, oh, I mean, there's a significant difference, 10 to 15 degrees. But so as far as push-pull, if you need one of those, you got something going on. I'm sorry. There's just something right. either your radiator's clogged, you've got gunk in your block, and you need to go have it, have your engine power flushed. And if you do that, take it to a very reputable place does that with regularity. Otherwise, they'll stir up a bunch of junk, and it'll plug your radiator after the fact. You want to take it to someone that power flushes uh, your cooling system and has a lot of experience doing it so that that way they extract all that gook from your engine and without clogging everything up. But it generally speaking, works really, really well. So for me, no push, no pull, no electric, no unless that's your... You know, modified cars, it doesn't matter. But for stock, if you've got to put one of those on there, you've got another problem. You know you know what other important upgrade people should consider is a lot of the older cars have small tail lamps, stoplights. And if you could upgrade, you change the bulbs to those new LED bulbs, and they're so much brighter. And that will prevent someone from who's on their phone texting while they're driving from slamming into you. When, when you're stopped at, at a light, uh, because they, they, they don't see your, your stoplights because they're so small and dim. So those LED bulbs, I think, is a way to go. I'm, I'm a fan of LED uh, tail lamp and stop lamp bulbs, big time. Uh, put them on my older car trailer, and it just makes all the difference in the world, even on that. I can't imagine, you know, you have a 49, 49 or 50 Chevy. Those cars have really tiny tail lights in the back. And, uh, you know, putting an LED in there really help 
help you avoid an accident situation because people aren't looking for that little dim dim glow. But I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier, and that was upgrading from six to to twelve volts. The so the six volt systems worked exceptionally well when they were new, and they did exactly what they were intended to do. What happens with time? You know, cars are uh, repaired, uh, transmissions are removed, engines are removed and replaced, and over time, people stop putting the grounding straps back in place, or they forget to reconnect it when they go to put it back, and they're like, ah. What do I need that for? It's bolted to the frame of the car. I don't need that grounding strap. Well, first of all, yes, you do need the grounding strap. And, in fact, if I can do it discreetly, I usually add an extra grounding strap on all of my six-fold vehicles just to make sure. But, you know, even if you're not doing that, you know, make sure that the contact points for your grounding straps are clean so that, you know, they're not just contacting up against a bunch of grease or they're not contacting a heavily painted surface because that just creates resistance and pretty much nullifies the effect of having the grounding strap. Got to have a good grounding strap in order for your six-fold system to work well. Everything has to be grounded well. And the other thing that people don't realize, you know, they have their six-fold battery in their car they've got a battery cable that goes bad they run down to advance and they just reach up on the uh, on the shelf and they pull off a battery cable and they go and stick it on there well those cables are are number four cables um they're significantly skinnier or thinner smaller than the original uh aught or double aught zero double zero cables that were used on the car when it was new. And when you do that, when you use a smaller size or modern day size 12 volt cable on a six volt system, it severely restricts the amount of amperage in the current, which is the current flow through the cables. So in, in my book, as long as everything is operating properly, you, you know, your, your starter motor is in good working order, your generator is in good working order, voltage regulator or cutout relays are all working properly. Everything is grounded properly and you've got the proper size cables. Your six-fold system is going to work just fine and you will never have to change a thing. I have yet to ever have a problem with a six-fold system as long as all of those things are taken care of. But a lot of people are just like, well, I just need to you know, upgrade to 12-volt. Well, you know, uh, it's not always necessary. In fact, in my book, it's never necessary. You, you go back through and vet your system and do what you need to do to it. It'll crank up just beautifully using that 6-volt, particularly if you use the Optima red top battery, too, because that'll give you a little extra oomph to go with it. Right? Mm. Oomph is good. Right, Richard? Oomph, oomph. is good. Oh, yeah. oomph is good. Wow, that's that's a lot of good information. You know, for a guy from Virginia, you're pretty smart when it comes to these electronic stuff. I'm really yeah, impressed. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I I worked on a radio one time. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but we don't know nothing about those them foreign cars like you do. So uh, you know, yeah, glutton for punishment. <laughs> but the, the oh, and the other thing I got up. 
uh, get on you about too is the protronics ignition. Now, you know, for me, I can carry an extra set of points. Ah, heck, I'll right. give you one even better than that. I can carry three extra sets of points and a couple of condensers in my glove box and never worry about anything. You, that protronics ignition module, if it goes out on you while you're out on a, a tour or you're you know, 50 miles from home, you're coming back on a flatbed, baby. But if you have yeah. your old trusty points and condenser and you have just a handful of tools, baby, you can just get in there and fix that. You're back on the road and running again without any problems whatsoever. So that's what I like about the old technology. You know, you can get back on the road if you have just a few tools and some spares. I, I you know, no argument there. I definitely agree with you. Uh, I understand that a lot of the Petronics or all the Petronics today are made in China, so the quality has really gone downhill. If that's true or not, I don't know, but everything I've read on forums and on the Internet, people complaining about them. So there are other ignition, electronic ignition systems that uh, are out there that are very durable and reliable. But, you know, I, I do agree with you. The, the beauty and the enjoyment of old cars is to enjoy it and the way it was originally built and the way it originally performed and works and starts. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I have to admit, I have to agree with you on that one. Okay. You win. Well, we, I win. I win. Everybody, you heard that, right? I'm, I'm right. I'm right. So, you know, um, for once. But so the other thing is reliability. And we don't have time for it today, but on a, on a future show, we'll, we'll talk about the reliability issues with, with vintage cars versus modern. And that's when a lot of people get into the LS1 swaps and things of that nature. I want my car to be reliable. I want it to be reliable. It's like, well, you know, your car can be reliable using its stock original drivetrain. And, oh, I want to drive it. I want to take trips, and I'll, I'll never be able to get any parts. And that's not necessarily true either. So we'll talk about all no. of that in a future show. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I as think, long as your fuel system's up to snuff, you're okay. Exactly. Um, now, we didn't have pick of the week last week. We were busy. We were on location, as we say. But this this week, I got a really cool pick of the week, and it's not the cheapest pick of the week, mind you, that we've come up with, but it's still good because it's relatively cheap, and cheap cars are good, as we know. So it's a 53, 1953 Peugeot 203 station wagon and a left-hand drive, by the way. When's the last time you saw one of those? I've never have, and I like those early Peugeots. I, you know, they ride so nice. From what I understand, I've, I've never driven in one, but they they say the suspension travel is long, and they and they ride and drive nice. But where'd you find this one? So this little guy is about forty five minutes from the house, down close to closer towards Martinsville, Virginia. Believe it or not, um, out just right out here in Southwest Virginia. This little 53 Peugeot sits. It's got um, a price of $9,000 on it. Now, honestly, it probably needs some sorting, but it, it looks like it's got new paint, um, and it looks to be fairly rust-free. I've, I've seen underneath the car, pictures underneath the car, and it really looks good. I'm shocked. 
Um, but nine thousand dollars, you know, you'll pay that much for a paint job, and it's a cool little engine. Uh, 1290 cc's. It was an early Hemi design, um, and it put out a whopping 41 horsepower. But by this time, the 53 was built. They were up to 44 horsepower. It's three-speed manual with overdrive. Pretty simple, Spartan interior, but it has everything necessary to get you down the road in reasonable comfort. But uh, the seats do look a little thin. I got to say that uh, they don't they don't look huh. comfy. You know, pretty. That must pretty be like Spartan. the only one in the country. I, I've never, never seen, one. seen one. And if you look huh. at the front end of these things, and we'll post it up on the Facebook page, but if you look at the front end of it, it um, really looks a lot like a forty-one Chrysler Royale to me, anyway, from the front. Interesting. So, so it looked like they were you know, borrowing. You know, during the year, the last years or so, when I've been paying more attention to certain things. I see that a lot of oddball cars are showing up in Virginia. And, and is it because, like, uh, the diplomats in D.C., they import cars, and then after they, you know, have their use with them, they sell them, and they end up in the countryside in the surrounding D.C. suburbs? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Um, I'm not so sure about that as I am the fact that uh, the ports are nearby, and maybe that yeah. has something to do with it, the import-export um, people bringing cars over, um, they end up being in this area. And then some of the uh, Japanese domestic market uh, resellers are located in Virginia, too. Uh, Duncan Imports is one that's just about 45 minutes from me, and uh, they're one of the largest importers of Japanese domestic market cars. So you end up with a lot of oddball oddball stuff there, too. But uh, yeah, now, in, in the early 90s, I used to work near the UN. Okay, gentlemen, 30 seconds. the city. And uh, there was the, all the diplomats had cars, and there'd be all kinds of Citroens and Peugeots parked in the city. So uh, you just never know. No. Well, it looks like we're getting ready to wrap it up. So uh, Richard and I look forward to seeing you next week when he will tell you I'm right about things. Is that right, yes. Richard? You are correct. <laughs> And we're going to give Richard a good week. (laughs) Take care, everybody. (laughs) All right. Cheap cars are good. Get off the couch. Get in the garage. (laughs) Bye, folks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.